Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red channel. I'm Josh Williams and this week, for the first time ever, I am joined by a special guest. Um, over the course of the past few years recording this podcast, I've had a number of co-hosts from Dave to Mo to Guy Clark to Christian Walsh. But I suppose this is the first one-off guest that I've had. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Dan Kennett. Um, how do you feel ahead of your Analyzing Anfield debut? I feel all right. I feel I'm, I'm, I'm just coming out of a really horrible cough and, you know, winter cold and stuff like that. I'm just coming out of it. But I feel good otherwise, Josh. I'm looking forward to it. It's got a, I've got a high bar to live up to with, with Mo, though. He's been brilliant. Yeah, it's been very good, yeah. It's been good to have more on board. As I said, we're used to mixing it up on this show, to be honest. Um, lots of different hosts and lots of different appearances getting made. Uh, but for those who aren't aware, um, the best way I can describe Dan is if <laughs> if, if I was... Um, <laughs> Keep it nice. Let, let, <laughs> let, let's say I'm Julian Ward. Right, Dan, <laughs> yeah. is, Dan is probably Michael Edwards. More like Damien Camoveli. <laughs> <laughs> um, if we're giving our listeners a bit of a history lesson, I think yeah. uh, when, when I first arrived on the scene, the Liverpool yeah. scene, it'd be like a couple of years back, Twitter and things. My bag was kind of tactics more than anything. Um, yeah. Over time, I, I picked up on the data, the analytics to inform inform my opinions and things like that but I think by the time I started to pick up on all that you'd been doing it for quite a few years hadn't you yeah yeah it's been um it's been I've, I've written some articles for the echo um I don't think I've done a podcast this is the first podcast with the echo but I've done I've done some articles online before uh written for Tomkins Times quite a bit uh, in the early days Paul Tomkins um he's a big data fella uh, friendly data guy um and then um Moved on to Anfield Index um, when um, <clears throat> when Gags Tandon, who's the founder of AI, started basically collecting their own data. Um, believe it or not, working, watching matches back on video and collecting pressing data. Um, you know, they, they developed an app to create, collect it as you go. You watch just, the guys watch uh, watch the match on a screen, watch in slow motion. And then they they record the actions, coordinates, the type of press it was, and the result of it, and all that. And and I was I was brought on doing that, and um, especially on the data visualization side. Um, so you we might have seen a lot of the stuff I've been pushing out to the last few years on the um, particularly from the AI under pressure Twitter feed. Yeah, well, I used to wear, I used to write for Analyze Anfield. Uh, sorry, Anfield Index myself. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of maybe where we crossed paths a little bit. Yeah, it's good. As you say, the writers, you're... isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. As you say, you've you've got a podcast there called uh, Under Pressure. 
that you do with uh, with gags and things like that. And anyone who likes this show, I would recommend that. It's a similar kind of oh, bag. Thanks, mate. Yeah, we're free now as well. We come out from behind uh, come out from behind our paywall now, so we're free. So yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was it's a, a while, few so. years back. But I was one of the lucky ones who uh, who got access because I used to write for the site. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that we've got more listeners. Uh, we've got a bigger audience than Piers Morgan does on Talk TV. What's <laughs> <laughs> a decent little show? That should be in your bio, mate. <laughs> more um, listeners than Piers. Yeah. Morgan. Anyway, getting back. Getting back to... <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, um, getting back to the Liverpool theme. Anyway, what we're going to do this week is. It's another case of Liverpool picking up one bad result and one good result, which yeah. seems to be a recurring theme on this show lately. So rather than kind of deconstructing that again, with this being a special guest kind of episode, we're going to kind of look at the landscape as a whole, bird's eye view, um, step back, look at the full picture. So in a nutshell, Dan, uh, basics. What's yeah. up with Liverpool? What, what's your basic answer to that one? Um, we are conceding too many chances as a team, um, particularly um, high-quality chances within 15 metres of the goal and often in central areas. It's as simple as that. The only reason we are not doing worse than we are already this season is that our goalkeeper is currently the highest-performing goalkeeper in all of Europe. Um and it's his best ever season for Liverpool on the numbers <laughs> as well. So, um, so yeah, um, we might not have conceded. We've conceded more goals than we would like at this point, but we could have conceded a whole lot more again. So my concerns are nearly all on the on the defensive side, Josh. Yeah, I, I would I would agree. I think if if you do use the analytics, if you look at the numbers, they do kind of capture Liverpool as a as a decent attack and side, there's not there's yeah. not too many issues on the attack and side of the game. Liverpool look kind of okay, especially considering we've lost Sadio Mane, winning to gain a new kind of yeah. profile of a striker. But on the defensive side, as you say, it's pretty horrendous. Um <laughs> and gotta be honest about these things. It is it is really bad. Yeah, yeah. Um I think we can we can get into it like kind of why I think there's a number of reasons why in my opinion. Um I think you can touch on injuries as one of the reasons. Yep. Although a few years back when we did have what was a crisis, in my opinion, I think at the time then when Liverpool struggled a bit, it was very much it's because of injuries. Whereas now it feels like, OK, injuries are a contributing factor, but it feels like there's more to it this time. It feels like it's not a case of once everyone's back, Liverpool are going to be fine. It feels like there's a bit more to no. it. And if you remember a couple of years ago, the big problem was when we went on the horrific run between Boxing Day and start of March, it was it was the attack that was the problem, Josh, wasn't it? It was because we could we could not score yeah. or we couldn't create we couldn't create anything. Um and like now it's very much a, the, the the defensive performance then wasn't was 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 mediocre, but it wasn't as bad as it's it is been so far this season. Yeah. Well on top of the the injuries, I think you can touch on the fact that there's been quite an obvious physical Decline in terms of the eye test, at least, and in terms of numbers as well, I suppose. Um, you know, the numbers yeah. are a little bit delicate in that case with with, with the physical physical elements of the game. But yeah. obviously, we were outrun by eleven k against against Leeds, yeah. which is unheard of, really, isn't it? And, well, it, um, it, to, just, the only thing we have to say is that it, it, it Leeds always top since they got promoted. They always top these charts. 
Leeds always they are the most intense yeah. team in the Premier League, but to get outrun by that much was a real shock. Yeah, yeah, and I think on top of that, just watching the watching the players, like I I think there's been some some form of mistake made me personally in terms of um, potentially pre-season. Like I think Man City, for example, yeah. played something like two games, two friendlies in pre-season. Liverpool played about five. And even after yeah. the first Premier League game, we were due to face Aston Villa 24 hours later. Uh, and the reason we didn't is because uh, I think both both, <clears> both of us suffered bad uh, results in the first game of the season, so we ended up yeah. cancelling that. And it's um, not even just the uh, the games that were played; it was the, the it was the training as well, because there was reports that the training sessions were extremely hard as well. And uh, so, um, and then you obviously just come off a 63 game season, 63. Um, yeah, 61? yeah, was, yeah, and then so I mean, there's there's got to be questions, you know, potential questions about burnout of players, and um, have have players who've come off, and there was obviously a shortened, the season started earlier because of the World Cup. We had to start about three weeks normal earlier than a normal um, Premier League season, yeah. so that gives you less time there, so less time off for the players, and then so yeah, and then and then the decision was made to pretty much go hard on on the players in 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 pre season, so. You know, um, you know. Yeah, all we all we can judge is the end results, uh, can't we? Isn't it, Josh? And uh, but right from that first game against Fulham, we were we were outrun all over the pitch, visibly, and um, and it and it was it was it was the speed of the players, the move, the sprints as well, the high intensity runs. It was it was really visible right from that very first match against Fulham. And I thought the Fulham match and the Leeds match were pretty similar. I don't know about you. Yeah, I think one of the the most dramatic periods for me on the eyes was was the second half against Arsenal. We we just looked absolutely shattered, um, and you could tell the uh, the difference between the two sides in terms of the respective ages of the key players and things like that. We were just outrun. I thought um, I'm not exactly sure what the numbers are on that game, but just vi- just visibly it, it looked really bad. But anyway, in addition to the the, the physical elements of the game, I also think there's there's a very obvious. Uh, lack of investment, maybe you can call it, in, in the midfield department. That's another contributing factor to why Liverpool yeah. are having the season that they are. Um, in my opinion, it was, in my opinion, Liverpool had delayed a new midfielder for as long as they possibly could. And I, I am generally in favour of, of, of that approach, really, in terms of waiting for the right man. But yeah. This was a step too far, really, in my opinion. I did try and say that over the summer, and it seems to have been the case since. I mean, the, the players who've picked up injuries are the players who you expect to pick up injuries. Yeah. The players who, who have declined in, in all elements of the game because of their age, maybe, are the players you would have expected. Um, yeah. And the, the, the players who have performed to the level that you want, again, it's very expected. So it's been quite strange to see that Liverpool haven't really projected that this was going to happen. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I think the the fact that the manager himself said four days before the season started, yes, we need to sign a midfielder. I think that was a damning indictment of how we got to that point because we didn't need one, we didn't need one, we didn't need one. And then four days before, we needed one. And then we ended up getting a, a loan signing. Um, but, you know, these things aren't without a cost. I mean, there was a, there was a loan fee. And we've got to pay Arto's wages, and he's now injured until pretty much February, I think. You know, so, um, and it turns out maybe his physical condition maybe wasn't as good as his agent had said, and he needed to do a lot of catch at work, and and that's what got him 
That's what he, that's what got him injured. So yeah, it's uh, it's a yeah, well, it was a big, it's honest, a big card. However, we got there. I don't, I don't know whether it's the manager not wanting to sign targets. Maybe the targets from the recruitment team weren't good enough. Maybe it was the, maybe it was the budget. Who knows? Whichever one of those three things it was, or maybe all three. And by the time we got to that point, the end result was um, we didn't have enough time to do any business, and we ended up making a bad a bad sign in anyway, a bad loan deal anyway. Which is very uncharacteristic of very. Liverpool over the past few years. Yeah. Um, to it be was honest, a panic signing, Josh. It, it, let's be honest, it was a panic signing, at all. Yeah, it was, and it was it it was again very predictable that he was going to pick up a knock. You know, it, yeah. I, I remember saying in in the podcast that we did covering what he's like as a player. Yeah, he was kind of like a worse version of Thiago and just yeah. as injury prone. Yeah, um, and it's it's. I mean, we I take people... it you looked at his injury history on transfer marks. It's just unbelievable. It's like you have to scroll down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> it's that I actually remember um, contacting a lad from from Barcelona, I know, on Twitter, and he specifically said as well that I think he said something like, "After the 60th minute, do not expect any form of pressing out of this lad because he just can't do it." Essentially, he's like a yeah. Coutinho reincarnate almost. Yeah, uh, in central midfield, you know, it's, he hasn't got the, the physicality to do it. Like. Yeah, and um, I think the thing I think some of these things, the, the even you know the, the fact there was a panic sign and we didn't leave ourselves time. Um, some of these things might have been pop, picked up if we'd had the time to do a full medical, but we had to do a shortened medical because of the time period. And then yeah, we didn't we didn't spot these things, which maybe we could have on the sports science side, on the medical side. Yeah, well, on on top of those those elements that were touched on so far, as as in um, impact Liverpool season, I think you can also add in the fact that we have a new striker to that, and yeah. the fact that Klopp has tried to toy with different systems. Yeah. Um. So it's been a, a a big massive cocktail of of loads of different influencing factors, but I suppose maybe the biggest. What would you say the biggest is of interest on? The biggest what? Sorry. The biggest influence and factor out of all after after out of all the stuff I've touched on there, yeah. Um, what would you say the biggest influence and factor is? These uh, or midfield or what? I think the biggest thing is 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 is, is the is the obvious physical physical decline of some of the key players, um, and I think the I think the two biggest ones are for for me are Fabinho and, and Trent, um, and. One of the things we can say is that the team is quite old, but Trent isn't old. Trent's twenty four, isn't he? So Fabinho's twenty eight yeah. now. Just, 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 just literally just turned twenty nine, um, and they're the ones who look like they've most suffered in terms of the physical side. Um, now you can say that VVT looks more human than he's ever done before. Maybe he's not a complete demigod of a defender anymore. He's just a, a very good centre back instead. Which obviously is a big change for us. Um, the only player who's really performing to to his world class levels is Allison. Um, so I, I honestly think that the, the yeah. biggest thing is is is, is, is that is those um, is the physical decline of some of the players in the key positions. And uh, I don't know about you, uh, Josh, but I was never really convinced by the kind of funky tactical variations that we were trying at the start of the season. You know, with Trent going interior and high into almost like an eight and ten position all the time and Elliot going really wide and it just seemed it, it seemed to be t- tinkering you know like which wasn't benefiting us really that much yeah well the, the way I've described that I've kind of used the term galaxy brain to, to determine yeah, that one it, I know you love that um, I, I think it's correct that 
Galaxy Brain. Yeah. <laughs> it does feel like that, though. It, it feels like over time, Liverpool have yeah. been desperately chasing this concept of evolution. Yeah. Um, to constantly almost remain ahead of the curve. And I think in some cases, it's it's benefited us. I think the, the offside trap in line with the VAR introduction, I think, has helped Liverpool. And um, the introduction of a player like Thiago, I think, has helped Liverpool and, and things like that. But yeah. the whole trend thing, I think, has definitely stung us. And I think it's it's too complex, too elaborate. And it's um, almost a bit daft when you think about it and you, and you look at how Liverpool are conceding chances. You just look at last night. Penetrated. Just look, yeah. look, just, just look how deep he was last night. Um, I, I, have you ever seen Trent play that? You know, how how long is it since we Trent has played consistently that deep and his passes have been from mostly inside his own half? Yeah, it was a real yeah. conscious decision for him not to. Um, and I think that's a good thing because he can do it from there. He's a playmaker, isn't he? He's got the range of passing to do that. Yeah, well, I I don't think the four three three was was necessarily the issue. I think it was more a case of like. Um, the way in which the 4-3-3 had gradually developed, I think they yeah. just needed to be a bit of a back-to-basics thing, where, where we kept the 4-3-3, probably. But the idea with Elliot was, we not, he was, he was more of a, Elliot became more of a wide player than a, than, a, than an 8 and then a narrow 8, didn't he, as well? And they just left too much work for the midfield, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, but in, in terms of the physical stuff then, just overall looking at it, in terms of being outran and, and the, the age profiles of the team and things like that. Yeah. I just think Liverpool have almost sleepwalked towards becoming so far from the original identity that yeah. we're now kind of lacking that and look, looking a little bit like Rodgers in this final year of Monst. Um, like I think Liverpool's pressure numbers, I spoke to you the other day, didn't I? Liverpool's yeah. pressure numbers in the, in the final third are down. Yeah. In the middle third, I think we're down and then the defensive third were up. And I tweeted the other day, I'm not so sure if you've seen it. Liverpool's still in the Premier League this season. Um, yet scored a single goal from high turnover. I think that's that's wow. yeah. that's an incredible statistic <clears throat> that for me, considering the only other two sides in the division with no goals from high turnovers are the, the bottom two, Wolves and uh, Nottingham Forest. Yeah. Which just, you know, it's a team coached by Jürgen Klopp. It just yeah. it defies logic, really. Well, if you think about it, we, 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 we've, we've changed systems multiple times in the last six weeks and all of them have, and before going back to the tried and trusted last night, but all those changes have been based around making us more compact and essentially deeper in the pitch, Josh. And we, and we haven't we haven't even, even tried to sort seek out the high pressing anymore. We've almost like, we've seen this in the, the stuff that we do on under pressure with our own pressing data, the locations in which we press have completely changed. Um, we don't chase down opposition. We don't hunt actively hunt the ball anymore in the final third. Um, and that, and that's what we, we, we very much did. We stopped doing under, in, in the four four two. Um And I, I think, I think there's two reasons for that. I think one is the physical side. And secondly is the, um, um, we don't want to leave ourselves exposed on the counter attack and for the on the or you know in neg, in negative transition and then I think one of the big things on the stats wise uh, um, is is the is the number of times all our players get dribbled past. I mean, if you if you if you look at a, a league ranking of all the players um, in in the Premier League, um, we've got so many in the top fifty players for number dribble past, and, and that's not a good thing because um, James Milner perhaps unsurprisingly because he's thirty seven. Is 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 it's got two point four dribbled pass per ninety minutes, and now that's the most of any player in the Premier League with over three hundred minutes played. But then you have got Fabinho, 
1.4 times per 90, Elliot 1.4, Joel Matic 1, and Trent 1. And if you add those up between them, that's seven and a half. Seven and a half dribble pass and mostly defensive players. You can't you can't be, yeah. you can't be giving yourselves up seven, eight times a day to getting dribble pass inside your own half, can you, Josh? Yeah, no, it, it is it is a shambles. And I think if you if you touch on Fabinho as well, obviously the, the, the physical stuff that you mentioned about Fabinho. Yeah. I think it's interesting when you actually think about the theory that we might have got it wrong in pre-season nine when in reality we had a break a longer season last year. Um it's gonna be a long season this year with three a game every three days and stuff. Yeah. I think if there has been a massive physical decline across the board, I actually don't think it's that much of a surprise if Fabinho looks the worst, because I think physically in terms of his running ability at least, Fabinho yeah. is the slowest. He, he he he's not he's never been that. So if you're taking a percentage off what Van what Van Dijk can do physically, yeah. he'll maybe just look normal. <laughs> Whereas yeah. if you take a percentage of what Fabinho can do physically, yeah. he will look horrendous. You know, he, yeah. he will look like he's stuck in mud. Um, yeah. So part of me almost feels sorry for Fabinho because he, yeah. he, we know how good he is. And especially if you change the role of the, the right side at eight, he plays there, who's meant to support him and then create, you know, make sure the team stays compact. If that player is then pushed higher and wider, there's, 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 there's way more space there. And it's not just Fabinho, then it's the Fabinho and Trent. And then, Joe Gomez, he's had some good games, but he's also had some very poor games in that in that right centre back channel as well. So it's all that that right right half space on, in our in our defensive side, isn't it, Josh? I think is the is the big the biggest area of concern. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, well, I said I said a couple of weeks ago that if, if you look at Liverpool's system, how it works, how Trent operates, how Salah operates and things like that, I think in an ideal world, the profile that you want on the right side of Liverpool's midfield is probably going to be like a Kante or, or someone like that, someone who's just going to hoover up the balls and yeah. kind of provide that defensive stability that those yeah. creative risk-takers on the side of the field need. Um, but Liverpool have instead been using another creative talent and a teenager at that in Harvey Elliott. Or a an aging version of Jordan Henderson, who, yeah, despite the fact he's always been kind of a runner, um, maybe he doesn't suit that profile as much. Well, he's not as good as he, he's not as good as he was. He's not as good of a runner as he was, and I don't. I think he, he himself would, would would admit that as well. It, it, it was his biggest strength, um, his athleticism, and it's um, even he's diminished now as well. So uh, yeah, absolutely. That, that that you know that 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 right side. Piece on the eight, you know, on the um, yeah, on the right side of midfield is 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 a is a big area of concern. It, and I don't know how you how did you think it went last night because I thought we were a lot better defensively last night. Um, I think Canate made was a big improvement in that area on that right centre back. Yeah. But how did you think because Milner played the role last night? Yeah, well, this this is why it's such a a mystery really because last night Liverpool did look compact. We did look unified when we were pressing. There was no real 
it wasn't easy to play through us. There was it no looked like a bit gaps. of a throwback, didn't it? And that's why that's why it did, yeah. That, that but that's why part of me is a bit reluctant to really assess what's going on and, and provide yeah. a definitive answer. Because how much of it is just mental? Because we our two best defensive performances yeah. have been against the two best sides we've faced in um City and Napoli. I suppose yeah. you could throw Arsenal in there as well, but we weren't particularly great in that. But against no. those two sides, we were really we kept clean sheets against both, didn't really afford much at all in terms of big chances yeah. and things like that. No. So how much of that just comes back to Liverpool players being switched on, knowing that if they aren't, they're gonna get torn to shreds compared to if we face again if we face Nottingham Forest, we're not really presented with that same threat. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Napoli game was encouraging for me because Napoli have pretty much been the best attacking team in all of Europe, you know, this season. Yeah. I mean, they've just been unreal. And the, the City game, we very much played counter-attack. And we were very, we were almost surrendering, especially the second half. We barely had the ball, did we, Josh? Uh, you know, but in, in Napoli, yeah. game was not like that at all. It was, it was very, I thought it was quite a traditional game from us, especially in the Champions League. We we we, we went and we were, um, and I think when we collect the pressing from this one, we'll see a far more traditional Liverpool pressing performance. We were, you know, a lot of it was in the opposition half, and we were seeking out Napoli more. But we had that; we just had a bit more solidity where Trent was deeper. Canate, I think, really did help, and Milner, I think, maybe maybe his maybe he played the right eight role slightly deeper than most of the right eights have done this season. Yeah, I think it may be just a case of prioritising the compactness. Where, yeah. whereas in previous games this season, it's, it's, it has almost looked like we want to do the nice things in terms of playing with the ball, creating, yeah. roaming, you know, all that stuff. But in terms of the nasty, nasty stuff, yeah, we've almost felt perhaps like we're above that now or something. Where it's, <laughs> yeah. that's not the case for any team really when you look at it. Yeah, yeah, you've um, got to earn it, haven't you? Yeah, but aside from the the physical elements, then. I think the midfield we need to touch on in terms of transfers and things like that, how Liverpool work in the transfer market, because I know you have specific and interesting thoughts on um, how it's kind of been a shift. Well, I think you think there's been a shift as the up and oh, the surface yeah. with, uh, like a theory behind Edwards and hey. all <laughs> well, that's just my yeah, like, every can have a conspiracy theory, you know. Um, I just think that, um, <laughs> we'll never know what we'll never know until Edwards writes his book why he left, you know. Um, yeah, you know, ostensibly yeah. it was because he, he'd been at the club 10 years or whatever and he, he wanted a break and stuff like that. And he's been out, he's been out of work now, hasn't he, for well over a year, maybe 18 months now. So, so anyway, so he hasn't come back to anybody anytime soon. Um, but I, I just, I, I do think generally that we have become less of an anal- pure analytics focus that we had say between 2016 and 2019 and we've definitely become a lot more uh vibes based <laughs> is the way I would put it <laughs> um and I think I think it's for the worse um I have no evidence for this at all it's just my considered opinion I am seeing less and less pure analytical decisions now some people might say that's evolution we need to you know once you need does it you, some people are always telling me when i say this on twitter well you know getting to the top needs a different strategy to staying at the top you know once you're there it's a different strategy and i was like okay well if, if you can tell me what that strategy is you know why it needs to be different then fair enough but you know um i think um yeah i mean 
whatever happened last year, summer, I think we can all agree that the process failed. Our recruitment process failed because we didn't. We sat. We ended up panic signing at all. Um, and um, yeah. but we need. We need. Hopefully, everybody who's involved in that process has already been honest about things and said this is why I did this wrong. I did this wrong and I did this wrong and everybody's owned, owns up about it. And then we all agree what we're going to do going forward and we're going to fix it starting, you know, in January because there's absolutely no question that we need to sign players. <laughs> we need, yeah, I think I we think need if... two, maybe three players, it's, it's, it, you know, within the next two weeks. Yeah. yeah, I think certainly in midfield, I think it's it's definitely an issue. But on on the whole concept that you've, that you've touched on there, I can definitely see what you mean, and I think specifically the the kind of wage shift towards Portugal is a bit odd. Yeah, um, and it's coincided with Julian Ward, who yeah, used to that's, his of, that's his area of expertise. He's got a lot of. Let's be fair, he's got a lot of contacts there. Yeah, I think he was at was he was I think he was at Benfica for a while, or was it was it, it was one of the big clubs? He was actually there and he worked there for a while, and so did um, Pep as well, Linders. So there, I think this is natural there, but I mean, yeah, Portugal well, is, uh, Julian Ward or Go on. Julian Ward also worked for the uh, the Portuguese FA as well, and uh, That's right. That's you know he can he can speak Portuguese and things like that. So yeah, I think and, and Linda's obviously has a background of Porto. So yeah, but then but then at the same time, when when you do look at it, I think the players that Liverpool have bought from that region have yeah. been elite quality players and also in a numbers perspective as well. Like if yeah. you look at the, the just general expected goals last season, which is very basic, but you know, Nunes was right up there with the likes of, you know, Mbappe and, and Lewandowski yeah. in terms of getting good quality chances oh, yeah. in dangerous areas and things. So yeah. I think although I see where you're coming from, it it's still most signs that Liverpool make, you can still attribute um, an analytics Background yeah. behind the sign, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. No, and but I think um, maybe the 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 process of the recruitment process as well has not is not running optimally, and then I think it and I think it did fail. So I think the if you the analytics is a key part of the process, but the recruitment process is not as seamless as it once was. I think is is the best way I would put it. So yeah. But I agree with you on that. Yeah, I mean, well, but if you look at the attributes of Diaz and, I mean, and and, and Nunes, the one thing they both got in abundance is, is just pace. They're just so fast, the pair of them, and yeah. um, and I don't think that's a coincidence that you know, so the, and that, that 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 is it. They they they're both raw. They're, they they both don't necessarily speak the language well enough yet to integrate with the rest of the team. But in terms of the the tools available to the, on those two players, they're just phenomenal. Yeah, and I think they were the top two last season as well in the Portuguese top flight for goals. Um, yeah. so they both offer a score on threats, obviously, in the final third and things. Yeah. Um, and he's big but I think, he it's, big I think Liverpool's midfield department... Yeah. Yeah, well, Liverpool's midfield department in particular just seems to be um, really in need of, of investments. And I think it's insistent that across the board, there's, there's kind of different um, people who are blamed... I suppose maybe you could put it as to yeah. why this is the case. Yeah. Lots of people using this as a FSG out target. Yeah. Um, some people blaming Julian Ward. Yeah. And some people blaming Klopp as well. 
yeah. um, I think it's probably a mixture of all, to yeah. be honest. But this one does feel a bit more Klopp for me. Uh, he, he did seem set on the idea that earlier in the summer, we, yeah. we didn't really need any more midfielders if we couldn't get the yeah. top man. And um, on top of that as well, I think... You know the the decision to to stay loyal to to players who've served them. I think is a a classic uh, yeah. manager who's been in charge for a long time issue that we've seen in the past with other coaches as well. And I think Klopp's kind of fallen for that with the likes of Milner and Henderson, maybe and Ox yeah. and and players like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it, 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 it is the, the, that's what I'm saying. The, the vibes based side of things. You know, there's loyalty. Is you know, we'll never. Um, We'll never know, um, you know, but we can assume that Jurgen is, is 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 very loyal to his to to his lieutenants. So, but yeah, it, it, what you said though is, is is absolutely right. There is it's very difficult to pin down who who it's whoever you whoever you previously wanted to blame for everything going wrong. You can still blame them. It's like you know, and and you know, nobody knows either way. So, um, but like I think the one the one target that was there was a lot of noise about, um. Other than Jude Bellingham, was Mateus Nunes who went then went to Wolves. And is it any coincidence that he is also Portuguese, Josh? Yeah, yeah, I know it, it is interesting, isn't it? <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. It's it, the, the reason I would uh, I, I would kind of doubt as to whether Liverpool have moved away from any sort of analytics type thing. Yeah, is the club is still owned by FSG? Yeah, so that that's that my major worry if FSG was to ever sell up. Would be that Liverpool would move away from from analytics type thing, and and maybe if they had sold Liverpool and Liverpool were doing this business, I'd be a bit more suspicious that you know we've, we've been the money ball ways here. But yeah. um, the, the fact that you know John Henry is still in charge of the club and stuff, I, I, yeah. I can't see Liverpool consciously moving away from it. But maybe it's been a case of over time, yeah. certain people in their committee have got more power, the likes of Linders maybe. Yeah, uh, obviously Edwards is no longer there to challenge Klopp, which I mean, we know he was good at doing. One one intangible could just be just been in lockdown as well. I mean, everybody went into lockdown, you know, including football, and you know you don't know how dynamics and relationships change over lockdown, and then you know all of a sudden um, you've got to come back and things are different, and maybe 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 that was a tipping point. We don't know, so um, yeah. But um, I think I'm not right. I say I'm definitely not writing this off. At all, Josh. I'm just saying that I think we've got a little bit rusty. The process has got a little bit suboptimal, and I think as long as everybody can get around the table, who's involved in the process, speak honestly, and I think we'll be fine going forward again. And then everybody will realise what they need to do a little bit different, in you know, in their part of the yeah, chain. Yeah. Is it and complacency? Then, do you think? Or could could well be, but I mean, we know we know right from Klopp's very first press conference that he's got final say. On, on all transfers and okay yeah that could be a rubber stamp and but he might be saying no I don't want that player I only want this player and that is that he has the final say he is the manager um and then but like you said the 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 the, the, the you know I mean I heard the podcast she did with Dave I think it was about Chu many and Bellingham right and those two players don't have very they have very little in common apart from the fact that they're both talents in terms of the way they play and their Styles of the pitch, Josh. Yeah. They're not that similar, are they? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, one's one's quite offensive-minded, really, and, and the yeah. and the other, I suppose, is a bit more tilted towards the defensive side of the game. Really. Yeah, but they're not like a, they wouldn't like if you were searching for similar profile players, 
you wouldn't see Chumeni and Bellingham very close together, would you? No, no, but probably then. not. Um, and then what, Nunes what, what, is different again, you know. <laughs> Mateus Nunes is different again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on on Liverpool's decision to kind of? I mean. The whole Klopp thing, Gillian's from he did seem set on on not yeah. signing the midfielder, and then towards the end of the summer, he said something which I thought was was quite interesting. That he, he said something along the lines of, compared to the, I don't know, the people who I'm working with or, or the owners or whatever, he said I'd be a bit more inclined to take a risk, um, in yeah. in, in reference to signing a player. Mm. What, what what are your thoughts on on his comments there like that? Because it it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of a. A talk given by Ian Graham um, at 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 the the Strasbourg conference that that I attended a few years back, yeah. where he kind of talked about how I think I think he said something like going from thirtieth percentile player to seventeenth yeah, percentile player. You yeah, yeah, you gain about two points per season or something yeah. like that. And I think when considering Liverpool have just got to three cup finals and and delivered what was it ninety two points. Yeah. It does kind of get to a point where the players who can improve you, for, in a numerical perspective at least, um, the, the pool is a lot smaller compared yeah. to a few years back when Liverpool did sign second-choice targets because Liverpool then were a 60-point team. Yeah. Plenty of scope for improvement. Whereas now, it, it is, it's, there's only a select few, really, in a way that can, that can actually improve Liverpool. But I think maybe have we been a little bit too rigid with that? The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It could be, could well be, um, but yeah, it's it was so so hard to interpret what Jurgen means sometimes when he says these things, and you know, um, a bit more risk because everybody everybody just thought he instantly thought he meant, oh, I need more money, <laughs> budget. You know? Yeah, yeah, well, uh, that's not right, stuff, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, where do the targets come from? Um, they should, they will come. You know, Klopp should. What Klopp will say what he needs, the the roles he needs in the team, and then the and the committee should 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 scout and provide the shortlist of targets, which then then decide on. Um, were the were the were the were the committee not forthcoming with the relevant targets on that from the recruitment process side? Possibly, maybe that maybe there needed to be more names on those lists. It's it's difficult to it's difficult to speculate in that respect, Josh. You'd, you'd like to think that the the fellas involved, just because Edwards is is changed with Ward, you'd like to think that the stuff coming out of the, the recruitment boys was was fairly consistent, wouldn't you? You know me. Yeah, I mean, when you look at what what Graham said, that the vibe that I got was was kind of he, you know, he can basically assess across Europe the the impact of every single individual player and that individual player's impact on yeah. their team's goal difference yeah. and, and points tally essentially. Yeah. So Liverpool basically consigned best player of, of, of each team across the board. Yeah. They went and looked at Monaco's best player and Chiuameni. Yeah. Uh, Porto's best player and Diaz. Yeah. Benfica's best player and Nunes and it's yeah. been Thiago when he was at Bayern I suppose in a way. Um, so it's, it's kind of a recurring theme across the board and Bellingham probably fits that bill as well. Yeah. Um. Maybe Matthias Nunes visited at Sporting. Yeah. But it just seemed to be a, a case, a case of like rather than picking a player who has less, is a bit less likely to 
to deliver the points that Liverpool need to keep improving. Liverpool yeah. instead decided to, I suppose you could say, stand still before eventually loaning a player who was always going to get injured. You know, so it's just, yeah. it looks like less, yeah. less future plan, less, um, you know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, did you think they knew about Mane leaving, for example? Yeah, I mean, when I said, uh, when I did my season preview, I thought, you know, we're going to have a big enough job as a team just changing Sadio Mane for Darwin Nunes or or um, just playing without Sadio Mane. Maybe Jota was going to be in the front three with Diaz, for example, and and, and, uh, and, yeah. and Salah. That would have been a big enough job on its own just to keep things going over. You got, so you got the change of Mane leaving. You know, that's a big deal because, you know, it's been such a mainstay for five years. Um, but then not only did we want to do that piece of change, we then decided to change Trent's role then we decided to change Elliot role, you know, and then we you know, changed this, that, and the other. And it was there was too much change um, going on. Um, yeah, and then you've got to try and you're trying to bring in a centre forward, you know, as opposed to a, you know, a wide forward. You know, he, he played. There's no question that we have to change the way we play slightly for Nunes. Um, so, yeah, I think I think we maybe we bit off more than we could chew, Josh. I think in terms of what we were trying to change at the same time. Yeah, Arvin says, what are your thoughts on Nunes? I think he's the tools. You, I can see why we paid the money because you cannot yeah. buy those 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 at those raw attributes are very very valuable. Um, I mean, I don't know what you think about it. his pace is just unreal. Um, his yeah, movement, know, yeah. his movement behind defenders in the channels is very very good already. Um. And that's with him not being particularly coached so far. Um, but he, and his aerial ability, Josh. I mean, the head of it last night. Everybody thought it was Van Dijk, didn't they? I did, yeah, I did. Yeah, but you watch it on the and he just and the one he did against um, the one he did against Leeds. Uh, no, not Leeds. He was uh, the one he did against um, Ajax. Um, the 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 Ajax lad was holding him, like grappling around the waist, and he just shrugged. He said, "Get off!" Shrugged, broke out of the bear hug, and just bulleted the head, <laughs> bulleted head home. I mean, he, he is he is unbelievable. The physical tools that you've got there, he just needs to be. He's a very very rough diamond, I think. Josh is the way I would put it, and he needs a lot of polish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fact that he doesn't speak English very well yet isn't going to help. So that needs yeah. he needs to he needs to get that sorted as well. Yeah, well, I think it, I think it would have been. It would have kind of epitomised Klopp's level as a coach, really, if it, if it was going to be another seamless transition and he was just going to hit the hit the ground running, maybe like yeah. Jota did. You know, considering he was coming from abroad, doesn't speak the language, and as you yeah. say, he's a very, very rough diamond. But, yeah. but I think the crucial element there is he is a diamond, though. You know, there's, there's a player there, definitely. And I think he, he, he reminds me a little bit in, of Suarez in many ways. He's just utter chaos, and you, you cannot predict what he's going to do. And... um. Yeah. His, his, his numbers especially are very encouraging considering just how many chances he's getting. And he's, he's already getting the label of um, of being a player who needs lots of chances to score. But that really wasn't the case last season. Last season no. it was clinical. No. So, yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's it's, it's true. Yeah, he, he did. He was he, he vastly outperformed his XG last season. I mean, um, well, let's, yeah, yeah. the only way we the um, only way we'll see is with, with Nunes is, is is you know once he's you know by March or April time he's got a big sample of minutes and what kind of what kind of performance baseline is he putting up at that point? Um, you know, but you 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 could easily see him ending the season with 20, 25 goals in all competitions, couldn't you? 
Yeah, um, yeah, I don't absolutely. think you, I don't think that any, I don't think you could say that's a bad season by anybody standards. No, no, neither would I. Um, so if we move away from the transfers then and just kind of assess the picture using the numbers, just basic space. Just one, just one thing on the transfers though. I did think we dropped the ball, right? And one okay. thing is that um, we talked about say Milner and Henderson, for example. Um, the, there was I've, I've been a big champion of um, uh, say Conrad Lima for. <clears throat> from Leipzig, you you always talk about you talk, you always talk brilliantly in here about the mm. uh, the Leipzig system and how how well suited those players are to to, to Liverpool and with with, with Red Bull. Um, but Conrad Leimer would basically be Jordan Henderson four years ago and James Milner eight years ago. He's a utility player. He was okay. he, he, he was very very fast, getting up and down the pitch, covers grounds, pressures, tackles, and um, I think that was that was a real gap. We. We didn't. We we don't have that really physical. Somebody's primary job is off ball, energy, off ball, running, tackling, and and pressuring. And I think that was the. I was think that was the number one gap that we missed in the in the midfield. And I think that well, that doesn't have to have the, been like because Mateus Nunes is not that player, for example. Yeah, but the difficulty about that though is you can say we missed it. Too many was that. You know what I mean? Yeah, Chu Many is 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 yeah. six foot two. Yeah. He, he ranked, I think, something like second or third last season for tackles and interceptions yeah. total across Europe's top five leagues. Yeah. Um, really athletic, mobile. You know, he was that kind of player. Liverpool identified him, and and he it was right. It was exactly what Liverpool needed. Really, the issue is we didn't get an alternative. That's that's the big problem. Yeah. Um, and that whatever the however we came to that decision that we don't need to get an alternative, we can wait another yeah. six months or potentially twelve months, despite yeah. not signing. Well, despite only signing a twenty-nine-year-old Thiago in central midfield since twenty eighteen, it was just a bad move. Um, part of me wonders if Edwards was still there. Would Edwards have been the guy to say, "Oh, listen to me." You need a midfielder, basically, because we know he's done that in the past with the likes of Salah and things, and it'd be yeah. that guy to challenge. Um, yeah, you know, Klopp's voice. Yeah, potentially. I mean, but if you look at, say, just a a team who's annoyingly doing annoyingly well this season, Josh in Newcastle, um, most of most of, most weeks they play Joe Willock and Sean Longstaff in midfield. I mean, Sean, Sean, Sean. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. How many how many Liverpool fans would want Sean Longstaff in our, in our team? Not many, but he he does yeah. he does. Um, very very wise man who used to manage Liverpool once said that uh, yeah, you need eight players to carry the piano and three players to play it. And, uh, <laughs> Sean Longstaff was born to carry a piano. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I mean, be careful because people are going to be starting to be thinking that you're, you're suggesting Sean Longstaff should end no. up at Anfield, yeah. No, what I'm saying is, is that we need <laughs> players like Sean Longstaff yeah, 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 yeah. To, to carry that piano. I don't think we have enough piano carriers in the team anymore. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. No, I agree. Yeah, it's a great point. I, I totally agree. And that's that's captured by, by the numbers that I was going to touch on before. Um Across the board so far this season in the Premier League, Liverpool rank third at the moment for ex- non-penalty expected goals per match, which is not bad. Nope. It's enough to be right up there, basically. But on the defensive side of the game, 
by the same numbers Liverpool rank. I think that is about 11th. Yeah. Um, underneath Aston Villa. <laughs> and, Which uh, the penalties, I think we're bottom six. Yeah, if we use pens, yeah. we are, yeah, bottom six, yeah. Yeah. So that, that that in a nutshell is what Liverpool have to fix, you know. But I've seen people suggest, for example, James Madison, and I don't see the need for a player like that. No. I really don't. No, completely useless in, in 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 terms of what Liverpool's problem is and how Liverpool solved this problem. Liverpool yeah. solved this problem, in my opinion, by going and signing central midfielders who will specifically make an impact defensively. That that yeah. that's how Liverpool fixed this problem. Yeah. Um and I'm not exactly sure who that is. Uh I'm not sure whether it can be done in January. But I think the fact that Klopp's used three different systems this season and it hasn't really had much of an impact suggests that it's not really a formational problem. It's yeah. just kind of like a a balance, stability, security problem, maybe in the middle of the park. So what you what you what you're saying, Sean, uh, what you're saying is we need to go out and sign Sean Longstaff. <laughs> We're gonna to have to title this episode. There's something to do with Sean Longstaff. <laughs> the Sean <Long>. <laughs> I mean, the, the, um, the Leeds lad. Sean Longstaff. Tyler, Tyler. Is it Adams? Tyler Adams. He just runs yeah. thirteen. He runs thirteen kilometers a game. Makes hundred sprints a match. He just closes players down. He tackles and he, and, he, and he runs. Um, and I, I honestly just think we need we need runners. We need say we need Jordan Henderson four years ago. We need uh, James Milner eight years ago. I mean, you so, replace those players in there, and you know, I think a lot gets fixed. So, out of interest, then, what what is your what are your thoughts on Bellingham then? On who? Bellingham. Um, <coughs> he's going to be very expensive. <laughs> we can get him. Well, I suppose you could put that as another reason why Liverpool have potentially drifted from their original plan to achieve success yeah. because he's going to be. He's going to cost a lot, as you say, and it's it's a deal that Liverpool a few years back wouldn't have done, or maybe maybe they would suggest we we couldn't have done because we didn't have the the, the uh, attraction maybe for, for him. But now we have that. I don't know. Well, one one attractive thing about Jude Bellingham is you know you've heard he's quite an offensive player, but I don't know if you've ever been to the Bundesliga official website, Josh. Um, you know, like Premier their equivalent of Premier League dot com. Yeah, but they give you the distance, the sprints, yeah, the high intensity. Of, of every player um, and the top players. And Jude Bellingham yeah. is pretty much top five in the league for all the physical attributes, as well as all the quality he's got in the final third and the passing. So he would, in that, in terms of a high-octane, high-energy player, he does fit the bill. But what what is the... I don't know how big the budget is. I don't know even if the player... Does, does Klopp still have the same pull if Klopp's, you know... If, you know, is he got you know like he did with Van Dijk? Is he still got that pull? I don't know. So, what is the budget? How much did the budget do you spend on one player? These are big questions, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I, I am personally of the belief that we need at least two, at least two centre mids for me. Um, yeah, and they would be a bit of a, I suppose, threat to that if if we was to dedicate around a hundred million or so on. Well, you'd, on have to, you'd have to get. You'd have to get. Bosman's style signs in, but you know we've done some good Bosman. Joel, Joel Matip was a Bosman, yeah. Free transfer, yeah. Um, obviously James Milner, um, Lima. So Lima could be. Say again. 
I think Lyme's contract. Oh yeah, he is. Yeah, he's up. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a free contract. Yeah, there's quite a few actually. There, there, there's quite a lot of surprising. I thought there's, when I saw a list of the day knocking around on, on Twitter, and there was quite a lot of players on there. And I thought bloody, hell, that's quite. That's not. There's some not bad free agents there. Yeah, Yori Tillemans is one of them as well. But yeah. again, and although I like him as a midfielder, I think if you if you look at Liverpool's specific problem, and I don't know how how much he addresses that because as I said, it, it's a defensive issue for Liverpool. It's a it's an issue without the ball. Um, and yeah, I think he, I think some he of these players the Liverpool are getting linked with. I think he covers the ground in terms of, but there's a question maybe the speed at which he covers the ground is with Tillemans. People will say is is off the off the line off the mark speed. For example, and his top speed aren't high enough, but I think his his engine is very good. Yeah, yeah. But maybe so, he's more maybe he's more of a, like a Toyota Hilux style of <laughs> <or a> truck. <laughs> Rather, maybe we need something a bit more nippy to get around, cover stuff. I know. Yeah, well, even if he has got the the mobility, though, it's it's still a case of he's never really been a player to hoover up loose balls, as he or, or regain the ball for you. He's kind of a player who will play once you have the ball. Um. Unless you you think otherwise, um, I don't know. I mean, it's hard evaluating midfielders who play for Brendan is hard. Um, you can look <laughs> at what you, you can you, you can you know he likes technicians, doesn't he, Josh? So. Just about. <laughs> um, but if you like, um, if you look at what he's done before, I think there's enough there to say that his off-ball work for other t- other teams has been has been good in his career. Um, and if Thiago credits Klopp with teaching him to run and you know stuff like that, I'm sure. Yeah, why, why, why couldn't Tillemans do? You know, because he's five years younger than. What he'd be five years younger than when Tiago signed, or four years younger. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's possible. But the good thing is, he's got the experience. He's, he knows the league, so and he's he's not he's not old. So yeah. So if we were to kind of round up, then if we were, if we were to look at that, that the whole picture, obviously we've touched on the fact that Liverpool's attack is pretty fine. Um, Liverpool's defense isn't. And that I suppose the reason why Liverpool are no longer picking up consistent results, I think it's interesting actually that Liverpool have four wins, four draws and four yeah. losses in the Premier League. That's pretty much yeah. sums it up for me. But the reason for that is because if you look at Liverpool's underlying numbers, the, the games are just coin flips. You know, Liverpool yeah. are not the better team in no. in the performance realms. You know, they're, they're not out shooting their opponents. All very, very close. All the performance levels in all the games are very close. Uh, they expected yeah. goals four and against the shots four and against quite too close for a comfort. We're not we're not we're not we're not being dominant in games. You you love that word dominant. We're not being dominant, um, and it, each match result is decided by on the day which team takes its chances. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that one of the dominant performances that we have delivered was last night <laughs> against Napoli. Yeah. I think we posted over two xg, and I think we faced. About 0.8, maybe off the top of my head, not sure what, what, what we face, but overall, anyway, and it, what, what I'm getting at is a, I suppose, how do we fix this? And 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 you know, let's say you're in charge, but what are you doing to fix this? <laughs> and, and b, <laughs> is this a long road back, or is this a case of you never as far as you think? Yeah, um. I didn't think we'd see the four three three back. I have to decide the World Cup. I have to say, right? Yeah. Um, I thought there'd been a conscious decision to move away, but you could all you could argue that the performance, the four three, the change to four four two and the diamond didn't solve the defensive side at all. We were constant, continuing exactly, to yeah, exactly. yeah. So, but then we played the four three three against Napoli last night. 
but it was better. It was, but it was like it was the tweaks four three three. It was it was Trent was deeper consistently. Yeah, back to say, yeah, and then, and then the right eight was less maybe less aggressive than it has been. And then you also had Jones playing his academy role basically in the front three. And he, okay, you he, he could argue he's he's more of a midfielder than a forward. Um, but you know maybe that that but that that was where he played what for three years in the academy, wasn't it, Josh? Yeah, at times. I mean, he, was, he played a little bit of a Coutinho kind of role for the academy, I think, where he was sometimes as part of midfield three on the left or sometimes as part of a left-sided front three. But, yeah. but a lot of the time, just kind of in the zone in between almost, that kind of Coutinho yeah. kind of area. Yeah. But, you know, so that that helped as well because he's a slightly more defensive player. But like you said, um, there was a lot to like in the, the game. I mean, the XG is, is obviously inflated by the last 10 minutes and, two, and, and, and corners. But the the, the, yeah. the encouraging thing before that was um Napoli are a very good team but they didn't create a string of chances like not not like not forested <laughs> you know for example yeah. yeah you know we we just played it was just like going back to a normal 4-3-3 match for us you know you know and and not really not really giving that many chances and maybe maybe that is the maybe that is the be- the best way forward it's the players you know, I saw the interview with Salah after the game last night, and he said, "Well, this is the play. This is the position I played for most of the last five years. So, so we, you know, yeah. of course he's going to be happy with that role. He knows he knows it like the back of his hand. Um, but maybe we just need to get out of the, out of the funky variations and like back to basic four three three. Yeah, I think I think if I'm if I'm Klopp, that's probably what I'm doing. I think I'm probably sticking with the four three three now with the awareness that the change in formations that we that we kind of experimented with didn't really have much of an impact at all on Liverpool's performances. No. I think four four two No no no. Four four two we delivered a few nice results. Um but performance wise it was just much of the same really. So in terms of a formation, I, I think four three three we can stick with for the rest of the season really. But a basic version of, of Liverpool's four three three that we've come to know in the past year rather than Trent doing all this Galaxy Brain stuff. Um, and if... Being, no, Trent being told to do Galaxy Brain stuff, I think, by coaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah should yeah. probably clarify that, yeah. yeah. Um, and on top of that, away from Klopp, I think if I'm, I suppose, Julian Ward, which I said I was at the start of the episode, <laughs> um, again, I'm, I'm probably leaning towards, if, we, if we're looking at fixes in the transfer market, Central midfielders who are going to um, have an impact on the defensive side of your game. So, which which yeah. players across the across Europe and beyond maybe are having an impact on their teams in terms of positive impact on goal difference defensively? Yeah. Um, and you know, in the next couple of weeks, obviously the the World Cup starts, so I'll probably have an episode where we where we look at potential options who fit that bill. Um. But that's probably how I'll I disa- would. I'll be disappointed if you don't end up with Sean Longstaff on that. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most I've heard Sean Longstaff's name ever <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. But um, you can't argue with their results, can you? On the, the performance on the defensive side. So, um, but uh, the, the other thing that needs to continue, of course, is is Allison. You know, because let's be honest, if we had a if we had a if we'd play with a season poll, he'd be the only person on the ballot. Right now, <laughs> nobody else, nobody yeah. else is merited being on the on the poll. Um, but yeah, he's he's just all competitions. I didn't get the numbers before. All competitions he's faced twenty eight point nine post shot xg 
uh, no, my XG, remember there's two XG, two versions of XG. Uh, XG from the perspective of the shooter, which is what we traditionally use to evaluate the team's chances. But post-shot XG is from the perspective of the keeper. So it starts from the place the, the shot was then, the power of the shot, the location of the shot within the frame of the goal, any swerve and that kind of stuff as well, um, and velocity of the shot. Um, so he's faced 28.9 post-shot XG, and he's only conceded 21 goals. Which is astonishing. So he saved yeah. almost eight goals in all competitions. And what we played, we've we've played nineteen games, no, seventeen games in all competitions, eighteen games. Uh, I think it might be it might be nineteen now, you know. Yeah. So he's conceded he saved eight goals more than expected in 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 nineteen games. That's that's, that's bonkers. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, as an individual. He is having a massive impact on Liverpool's ability to secure results and points, basically. And yeah. I suppose Liverpool need that player for me in the in the middle of the park who's going to kind of have that impact. And it, instead yeah. of that, we've kind of got a a gang of just average, okay contributors almost. No real difference yeah. makers in there apart from a thirty-one year old version of Thiago, maybe. Um, hopefully, we can get Fabinho back to his usual levels, maybe. Yeah. But it's it's an interesting one anyway. I mean, if I'd have had you on the podcast last year, Dan, it would have just been us waxing lyrical about how great Liverpool are. Yeah. Uh, but now it's kind of a problem solving exercise, really. Yeah. That's always more. Of, it's always more of a challenge. Always more fun. Yeah. Well, I've had a few listeners actually say that. But anyway, mate, thanks for joining us. Thanks for appearing on, and uh, it was a solid debut. Thanks, mate. And um, tell people where they can find you. Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Dan Kennett, K-E-N-N-E-T-T, and also my the podcast of reference, Freak Podcast, at AI Under Pressure, part of the Anfield Index stable, anfieldindex.com. Yeah, do give it a listen. As I said, it's it's quite similar to one of in Anfield. Um, so if you like this, you probably like that. But yeah, thank you for being on, Dan, and uh, we will see you next week. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.